So if you want to write a title, if you're into that sort of thing and you bring a thing called a pen with you these days, um, you can write Finding the River. And, um, and if you want a subtitle, you can put Why We Bother to Get Together on a Sunday Morning. <laughs> um, but my thinking when I'm, I'm, I'm teaching right now is about how we can come to a new place in terms of worshipping Jesus and talking to Jesus. We're going to get on to talking to Jesus later on uh, in the next few weeks. And uh, as Anka mentioned, I talked about the, the wonder of God, the majesty of God, the splendor of God. Sometimes we struggle in our prayers and our worship because we forget who we're actually talking to and what he's actually like. And um, of course, we, we often focus as well on the Father as love, on community, on family, on Jesus' desire and ability to meet our needs and bless us, which is all true and wonderful, but he is also our great king. And he does have eyes of blazing fire and he is a jealous, consuming God. Kind of the Bible. Not a jealous God in the way you get jealous. Jealous as in, he just wants all of you and he doesn't want any of you anywhere else. That's what it means when you read jealous in there. And maybe we've allowed his desire to meet us where we're at and pick us up to become a bit more prominent than our desire to worship him purely for who he is. Everything around your culture is about what you can get and what you can get from this thing. You live in an extremely consumer culture, even if you don't know it. And so when you come into church, you automatically think about what you can get because that's what you are conditioned with. Which means when you think about Jesus, you think about what you can get from him because that's what you're conditioned with. But there's got to be a shift in our thinking and there is a shift going on in our thinking where we just worship him for who he is, not for what he's done. And that's really what it means to truly worship him. Of course, what happens is when you do that, you actually start to receive something back. But the motivation of your heart has got to move a little bit. Maybe we've allowed our consumerism to reduce Jesus into somebody we can get an answer from rather than somebody who is adored simply because he is. But I believe there are new depths of what it is to worship him, to thank him, to honour him, to talk to him. New depths that we can go to individually and corporately. And I talked about this idea of marvelling. When we lose our marvel, words from the Father just become familiar. Words like, he is our rock, just become, oh yeah. Like Anger said, yeah, cute. Like, that's kind of how it goes, but really, no, no, he, he is a rock. Yeah. He is a rock. Yeah, right. But if you don't marvel, if you're not in awe, if he's been reduced down to some genie in a bottle or some friend you carry around with you when you need him, then that stuff kind of goes out the, out the window. I told you about our universe, and I said that a rough estimate, there's 100 billion times 100 billion times 100 billion stars in the universe, and that God says this about them. He says in Isaiah 40, who will you compare me, who's my equal? Lift up your eyes and see all this. Who created it? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Now, if you did anything to marvel about the God, God knows the names of every star, which is 100 billion times 100 billion times 100 billion. I get me four kids wrong. <laughs> and they've been around for a minimum of eight years. And I still go, you, come here. I can't get far right and you try and work God out, you realise that if you actually thought about what you did, you'd be labelled insane. Because you kind of go around, and I know you do because you're like me, and we sometimes go, I wonder, I think God's going to do this now, or I think it's going to work out this way, or I think he's going to provide this way, or I think he's going to do this in this situation. You realise that's probably insanity because you are trying to work out a God who knows the names of 100 billion times 100 billion times 100 billion stars. And your tiny mind is trying to work him out. Is that not insane? Are we, are we not insane when we do that? Is it not a ridiculous thing? Oh, yeah, we all do it, don't we? But really, it's a bit of a ridiculous thing to do. 
But of course, we want to know. We want, we want some, oh, God's going to do this. No, 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 no. Just honestly, he's a little bit bigger than you, which is an understatement if you want to wear. The problem is when our, when our marvelling goes out of an issue, when our marvelling goes out of an issue, now I'm talking gobbledygook, what, what, when our marvelling stops and an issue comes along, when a challenge comes, you try and work it all out on your own. And then you get stuck in trying to work it all out. And then when it doesn't work out like that, you get disappointed because you set yourself up for a certain outcome, which you set yourself up for, nobody else did. You set yourself up for an outcome, and then it doesn't work like that, and then you're disappointed at God. But you set yourself up for it by trying to work him out in the first place. Why don't we just take our hands off and let him be God and trust that he's good? Much harder to do than that. But he's a big, big God. We've got to quit thinking God of God as some bloke in the sky who looks like the nicest granddad you can imagine. All right? He's not like a nice granddad. He's huge. He's massive. He's unbelievable. We've got to quit minimalizing him, quit questioning him, quit playing small, and start to see the outrageous, vast, huge, beyond vocabulary God that he is. Not just because it might help you fix your little problem, but because that's what he's worthy of. That's what he's worthy of. When you get a glimpse of that, you can sing and dance like I do, and you might look and think whatever you think, I don't really care, because I'm doing it because he's worthy of it. Because it's the least I can do for him. It's the least I can do for him. But this morning, I want to share about what we're trying to do on a Sunday morning when we gather together, and explore what this idea of worship might mean. So, we're going to talk about rivers, bad questions, ingredients, and a band called the Grateful Dead. Anybody know the Grateful Dead? Yeah. yeah? Okay. So we're going to talk about the Grateful Dead. They started in 65 and went through 70s until about 95 when the lead singer died. Um, so it's all right. Don't worry, you never heard of them. But, but we need to understand something about the Grateful Dead to understand what happens on a Sunday morning. So rivers, bad questions, ingredients, and the Grateful Dead. First of all, let's start with rivers. Um, because you can only understand what we're aiming for when we gather together when you understand something about rivers. Um, the Bible starts and ends with a garden, and in the garden there's a river. And in the middle, there's a whole bit about the river. Have we got all those verses there? There we go. So Genesis 2 and verse 10. So this is about God creating this beautiful garden for Adam and Eve to live in. He says, a river watering the garden flowed from Eden. So out of this perfect garden, water flowed, and it says that it waters everything, so it brings life everywhere it goes. I love this verse. Ezekiel 47 verse 9. Wherever the river flows, life will flourish. Where the river flows, life abounds. And then you get to Revelation 22. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, which is where this comes from. Crystal clear teaching, crystal clear living, crystal clear vision comes from this verse. The angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the sea. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. So, so you've got the Bible. Starts, like, basically the Bible just takes you full circle. It starts in this beautiful garden. God gets everything right. Man makes a mess. And then it ends up in a beautiful garden again with everything beautiful in Revelation. Which is why, you know, like when John, uh, John writes of Jesus risen from the tomb and sees Mary. And he goes, are you a gardener? That's John's way of putting like a winking emoji in there like, garden. It's a garden. It's a little hint, like we're going back to a garden. When Jesus rose again, we're going all the way back to the beginning. We're going back to a beautiful garden, everything right, everything together. 
There's all these little, yeah, winking emojis in the Bible. Um, but where river flows, life abounds. You see, there is a flow of life right now. There's a flow of God, a flow of the Spirit, a flow of healing, a flow of harvest, a flow of fruitfulness that's flowing all the time. And listen, this river, it says it yields its fruit every month. Every month there's new fruit. There's no autumn. There's no winter in this river. In this flow of life, there's just always life. And wherever life, the river is, life abounds. You see, when we gather together on a Sunday morning, we are not trying to create something. We're seeking something. We're not hoping to create an atmosphere or to create a sound you will like. That's not our aim. Our aim is not to create a sound that you will, you will like. Our aim is not to create an atmosphere. Our aim is to seek a sound and seek an atmosphere. That's our aim. Because our aim is to join with the flow of the river of life that's already happening. There's already, and, and it's, I won't get ahead of myself. I get really excited today. There's already a flow of life, a life of worship and praise to Jesus going on. That's going on all the time. And when we gather together, what we try and do is go, okay, where is that flow of life today? Where is it today? Which is why it moves and it shifts, and as, I'll, as I'll show you. So there's a few interesting things about this. So, firstly, it means every gathering will be different because a river is something that moves and changes. <coughs> if it's a river, well, rivers move, don't they? And they change. Sometimes they can change dramatically. I remember being at Bolton Abbey uh, a couple of years ago with the kids and playing on the beach. We'd crossed the, the stepping stones. We were playing on the beach. Suddenly, I thought, the rivers got a bit closer. I looked, and in 20 minutes, the stones are completely covered. The river rose like this much in about 20 minutes. Rivers change quickly. So the first thing is, you shouldn't expect it to be like it was last week, and you shouldn't expect next week to be like this week, because it's a river. And it moves, and it changes. So we're not... Well, we'll get onto that. It never stays the same. It's always on the move. So each time it should be different. In fact, if it looks like last week, you ain't found the river because the river moved. <coughs> and if next week looks like this week, we didn't find it because it moved. It'll always be different. And of course, it's also different because you come different. You come with different thoughts, different experiences. Things have gone well, things have not gone well. You come with pain sometimes. You come with joy sometimes. Then there's different people present. So it's not going to be the same because you are all a huge part of it, as I'll show you. The second thing about a river is that it never goes in straight lines. A river curves and a river bends. We shouldn't expect our times together to follow in straight paths. All right? Which is why, so these guys choose some songs. I don't know what songs are on here. Let's have a look what songs are on here today. So we've got Only Way There, All That's Inside of My Heart, and Reckless Love that we didn't use. And sometimes, so we're way past the point of having a song list where you go like, you know, three fast ones, two slow ones, appeal. All right? We're way past that, because you don't find a river like that. That's why when you go to a meeting like that, you go, it's not quite got it. Not because there's a river. And if you've already decided where the river is, you would probably not, you might touch on it, but if you go in a straight line, the river's going like this, you might not be feeling it. Which is why you realise it's not easy to stand up here on a Sunday morning and lead the meeting or, or, or lead the singing. Because they don't know where the river is yet. They don't actually, when, when, when we joke around and go, we're not sure what we're doing. We really actually, we do know what we're doing because we, we know what we're doing. And we're practiced in it and trained in it and we've worked hard at knowing what we're doing. But at the same point, we don't know what we're doing because we're off to find a river. And we don't know where that river is yet. Or what it looks like. Or how deep it is or how wide it is. But we know we're going to seek it and find it. So we shouldn't expect our times to follow straight lines. That's why sometimes we do things differently. And sometimes we do them in different ways. 
And listen, we, we can easily get into bad habits of comparing times together. But they will and should be different, so it's a bit of a pointless process. Like, oh, last week was better than this week. No, it was just different. It was just different. And what does better mean anyway? What is a good Sunday morning? Just ponder it right now. What, what does it mean to have a good time together? How do you define good? It's really important you understand what you mean by that question because if your ideas of good are different to my ideas of good, you're going to be disappointed because I'm seeking potentially something different to you. Which is why I want to talk about it because I want you to know what I define as good. Because behind these questions are lots of assumptions about what makes our time together good or not. And we need to be aware of those assumptions and you didn't know my assumptions because if they're not aligned, you're always going to be disappointed. If I'm seeking this and you're seeking that and I'm kind of taking this place, this place, and you all want to go there, well, you're always going to come away a little bit fed up. That's because we're not seeking the same thing. But I want to tell you what I'm seeking, because when you find what I seek, it's really good. You see, when we gather together, we almost always make time to praise Jesus, to listen to a word of some sort, to have an opportunity to give, and to have opportunity to be together. Those are the four ingredients, really, of our Sunday mornings. Okay, those four things are always there, one way or another. Of course, within that, there's all sorts. So you could go, did we have a good time? Did those four things happen? Yeah, okay, it's a good time then. Because that, that, at a basic level, that's what we're trying to do. But within that, there's all sorts of questions. But often we focus on what we can get out of it. So we ask questions like this. Who came and gave me a hug? Who said hi? Who walked straight past me on their way to somebody else? Was I touched in the music? Did I feel his presence in the songs? Did the person speaking talk for too long? Probably. Did I get a sense I got a word from the Lord? Did I go home feeling happier? Did my kids enjoy Sunday school? Those are all the sorts of questions we ask, and often those questions inform our definition of a good time. The problem is they're not very good questions. And if you ask a bad question, you'll always get a bad answer. Recall what I said last week when I deliberately misquoted JFK. When we gather together, ask not what your God can do for you, Ask what you can do for your God. And I'm going to show you where that comes from, biblically, in a minute. But those questions are all the wrong questions, poor questions, bad questions even, because, and the bad questions, because they start with you. Anything that starts with you in the kingdom of God is never a good question. Unless you're finding out about you and going, what is it about me and, and how am I like? But if you're going, well, it, it didn't touch me, it didn't do this, it didn't do that, it didn't do the other, well, you're kind of missing the point. Because when you, as I'll show you, you see, it's not about you getting A, B, or C. It's about finding a river together. And who knows what will happen when we find it. What we do know is where the river flows, life abounds. Where the river flows, life is. So the only question I'm learning to ask when I think about our time together is this. Did we find the river? Was there a flow of life and love? And of course, how do you know when you find it? Well, you, you sense God in it, one way or another. And once you've attuned yourself a little bit, you kind of know when you're there or when you're not there. But I'm learning to leave it at that. And to all the, and, and the God of the universe who knows each star by name to determine what happens in that flow. But all, all we're doing is going, okay, there's a flow of life somewhere. Where's it going to be? Is it going to be in peace? Is it going to be in quiet? Is it going to be in noise? Is it going to be in singing? Is it going to be in dancing? Is it going to be in prayer? Is it going to be in moving around and hugging one another? Is it going to be in releasing one another? Where's it going to be today? In order to find this river, it needs all of us. 
We have this kind of misguided idea that people who stand up here and sing and play instruments are a worship team, and they're responsible for finding the river. They're not. Okay? I realize they're up on a platform, but that's just so they can actually be together, and their instruments can be plugged in, and they can communicate to one another. Okay? If we could do it a different way, I'd have them sat in different places in the congregation, but it'd be hard for them to communicate to one another what was going on. So from a practical point of view, and there'd be wires everywhere, but I, if in my ideal place, they'd all be sat in different places, because then it'd take your eyes off the front. Because what happens is you look at the front and go, okay, they're leaving now, I'm going to say. Just naturally it happens, but they're not. Just to be clear, this church does not have a worship team. And the people who stand here, who you call the worship team sometimes, are not responsible for finding the river when we meet together. And we don't have a worship team because that implies they are somehow better at it than those who are not in it. Like if you're not in a team, if you're not picked, that means you're not good enough, doesn't it? Like by definition, you're not good enough. So, so this is why I'm so strong on it, because if we've got one and you're not in it, well, you're not good enough then. But you are good enough. You might not have their talent to play a guitar or a keyboard or sing in tune, but you are good enough. And that's why I'm strong about it, because, you know, if you go, well, we've got this team and this team and this team, and you're not in it, well, you're not in the team then. You might not consciously think like that, but it's true. And then you sit back and go, well, they're the worship team, they're going to take us in worship. That's why we don't have a worship team. We have psalmists and we have Levites and we have singers and we have drummers and we have guitarists and we have songwriters and we have bass players and keyboard players and drummers, but we don't have a worship team. Well, we do have a worship team. It's called Everybody in the House. And, and the reason I make a big deal out of it is because I understand the culture we live in and how we think. I know that it's very easy for us to succumb to this celebrity culture that looks to a stage and a platform to lead the way. That's just what we do naturally. And that happens in lots of places. And I've watched and seen many times these guys work very hard to do what they do. I also see the way and the pressure they feel to find it for us. Because if you can imagine, if you can imagine studying, looking out at all you lot, trying to help you find the river. But if you're disengaged in that finding, how do you think this guy feels? If Faith sat here and you're disengaged, she feels like she's dragging you to the river. And nobody wants to drag anybody to a river. We want to run away together. And I see the weight of it sometimes on them. And I've told them privately, and now I'm telling them publicly, I see, I see people who lead the meeting standing, and I see when I talk to them the, the weight they feel of, I've got, I've got to get people that day. And I'm going, no, you don't. Relax. It's not on you. It's not on you. I used to, I used to, now I'm like, it's not on me. I am responsible for some things, but I'm not responsible for dragging you to a river. I'm responsible for creating an environment that helps you get there. But I'm not responsible for dragging you there. And we have to know what our roles are in this thing. Just one more thing. It's a little bugbear of mine, Okay. It doesn't help this performance attitude when these guys get a little clap after we've sunk together. It doesn't help. It doesn't help their egos, because sometimes they don't get clapped, so that really doesn't help. Okay? And it doesn't help you, because it, it's like, oh yeah, they did it. Well done. So can we stop that? Like, like honour them, thank them, bless them. But can we not play like we've seen a good band? Do you get me? We haven't seen a good band. 
I mean, they are really good. I love them a bit. You know that. But, but they're not a band who's just done a good turn and, you know, encore. So can we just put that to one side? I know the heart of it, and I know it's beautiful, but I don't think it's helpful for them or you. If you want to express your appreciation, do it. But, yeah. And actually, it's not, it's not even about a good band because it's actually not really about ability. And in this, I've, I, I mentioned it before, I, I've made this mistake because of all the times I've excused my voice. And I know I can't sing in tune, it's okay. But I was wrong to go, I can't sing, because the moment I go, I can't sing, but fair can, I make her, this performer, who's better than me at worship. She ain't better than me at worship. She just does it different. I mean, she expresses it more nicely to human voices. But I am doing it for you anyway. And if I am doing it for you, I've got a problem. I mean, she'd get further on X Factor than I would, but they're, they're looking for somebody who can sing, not somebody who can worship Jesus. So that's okay. And I can worship Jesus. So I just want to... And I know, I know I've talked to some of you, and you go, well, I can't sing. And I, and I go, yeah, but it's nonsense. What you're saying is you can't sing to a human voice that might enjoy it. Simon Cowell might not appreciate it. Well, I aren't singing to Simon Cowell. I'm singing to Jesus. And he loves it. So no more excuses about it. And I want to sing as loud as you can. I know, it's all right. You've seen, fear moves away when I sing real loud. Because <laughs> you can't sing in tune. I don't know, but it's fine. I, I understand that. She wants to sing in tune and find some beautiful harmony to Jesus. And when I'm going, ah, 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 it's fine. I don't, it's all right. I don't mind it. It's fine. But, but the thing is, well, I, well I, I can't tell whether it was or it wasn't. So I don't, I don't know whether it is or it isn't. I just go for it. But my point is this. You know, a lot, of our, a lot of our reservations are even the fact that we can sing. Although we can dance well. And I mean it. It doesn't say anywhere in the Word of God, sing in tune. It doesn't say David sang beautifully. It just says he sang. He could have been terrible. No, but he could. He could. Maybe he just played his heart real loud so nobody could hear his voice or something. I don't know. Like turned it up to 11 or something. No, but I mean it. Think about it. Think about it. We've got to deconstruct some of these thoughts we have that take us to a whole new place in worship. And you go, well, I can't. listen, I can't dance. I'm rubbish at it. But I've learned over these last few years, I used to go to discos and go to parties and go, no, no. Now I go, I don't care. I'm just going to have a laugh. I know it looks stupid. Who cares? I'm having fun. And the people around me are smiling, so it's all good, isn't it? I'm not hurting anybody, hopefully. But like, and if I, if I can do it there, surely in the house of God, to the Father, who sings over me and delights over me. Surely I can wiggle at all. Can't we? And I, I, you know, I deliberately do it like extravagantly, but I do it to release you to do it in your little bit. Because I used to be like some of you are, completely tied up and bound up in my own body and voice. But Jesus set me free. But I have to actually go for it and do it. And now I love it. So if we're to understand what it really means to be together, we'll understand that the weight is not meant to be on one person. There's a real danger that we become followers, allowing one or two people to do all the hard work for finding the flow of our time together. So if you analyze what happened this morning, which was really interesting. So we started out when there were lots of people at the beginning kind of singing and clapping. And it was beautiful. Okay. And what that really did, it's a bit like surfing. I felt, I felt a lot of telling me it's a bit like surfing. What happened is, we all created a wave, and then Nath got on the back of that wave, and we started surfing together. And that first song, you were like, flipping it, this is fantastic, it was great. 
But we created a wave for him. And that's what it's meant to be like. So he caught this wave. And then the wave kind of ran out a little bit. And then we all kind of looked at him. And waited for him to do it all. Because that's what happens. Because we go, okay, well, we, we at least got you going. Come on, it's your job now. I've already done half at work for you. Come on. But, but that's, listen. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 26 says this. Here's what I want you to do. When you gather for worship, each one of you be prepared with something that will be useful for all. Sing a hymn, teach a lesson, tell a story, lead a prayer, provide an insight. So my question to you is this. Right, next one, Phil. What did you come with this morning that will be useful to all? Each one of you come prepared with something that will be useful for all. Now, that might be your smile. That might be your smile. That might be your arms to, to just hug and greet people. It might be your voice. So that when we're encouraged to sing together, you actually do sing together. And I realise you... It's hard, isn't it? Because it's like, well, what do I sing? Well, there's about five different songs in Revelation chapter 4. They're all there. Where the Lamb was slain. Oh, Jesus, 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 I love you. But that's, that's, before we start asking all the what's in it for me questions, what about, what did you come with this morning that's useful for all? Because when that happens, then, then you kind of create this wave to mix the metaphors of rivers and surfing, but then we start to surf on. And then as that wave dies out, somebody then's got to come in and create another wave. And then we go, that's kind of, there's meant to be this flow between us all that works out. It's not all on one person. It's not all on one group of people. And I've, I've said it privately to, to the musicians and those that lead. But now I'm saying it publicly. You guys have got to relax. It's not on you. It's not on you. It's on you to find the wave and surf it. But it's not on you to create the wave. It's on all of us to create the wave. I felt this morning, I, I almost said it, I felt like there were, a, there were a prayer of thanksgiving from somebody this morning. And I, almost, and I thought, no, I'll just wait and see. There were a prayer of thanksgiving. And maybe I should have done it. Maybe I've got to learn to encourage more that I don't do it, but I encourage you to do it. But then if I do that, you've got to go, well, I do have a little prayer. Yeah, but that little prayer might just create the next wave that we then go surfing on. You know, waves start small, and then they build. So, the other thing about a river... It has varying depths and can change very quickly. I was on the, on the River Wharf a couple of times in the half term. And you can literally go from kind of eight foot deep to about an inch deep within about three or four meters on that river. The depths change radically on that river. And the interesting thing is that you can enjoy a river no matter what the depth of it. Deeper is not always better. You see, we go, we go back to this kind of comparing things. Sometimes just dipping your toes in is really nice. Sometimes when you go to the beach, you don't want to swim, do you? You just want to walk in the, whatever that little last bit of the wave's called. It's nice sometimes. But you don't want to go for a swim. But you want to enjoy the refreshing of the water. And sometimes, every time we get together, it's going to be different. Because if every time was always the same, always going to the same depth, it would get very boring very quickly. If you and all your relationships talked at the same depth all the time, it would get either very boring or very depressing or very difficult very quickly. But hopefully in your relationships you have different depths. So sometimes you talk about things that are on your heart and other times you talk about the football or the weather or this or that. And that actually is a beautiful thing. Going to the same depth all the time 
is not always, it doesn't kind of lead a life almost. So when we gather together and we go river hunting, we're not always hunting for the deepest depths. We just want to find the river and enjoy it for what it is. Sometimes we go away because we felt like, well, it was deeper last week. Yeah, but maybe this week we're deep enough. But let's enjoy the fact there's a river. Not get disappointed that it wasn't as deep as last week.